Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Float Your Boat. This is George Sabados and my trusty assistant, Brett Pattinson. I'm calling you my assistant today, Brady boy. Do you like that? I'm used to being your bloody assistant. You are. You're the general <laughs> dog body who does everything for me, and I just swan in, say a few words, and off I go. Like Fart a ballerina. And burp and off you go. <laughs> but let's not get personal, Brett. So, so, Brett, I just wanted to talk to you about who we have on today. Today we have Maria Dunn. Maria Augustus Dunn. Maria, Maria two fathers. Augustus Dunn. Two fathers. Is that what that means? I think so. I'm guessing. Is that like two dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Brett, let's, you, your mind astounds me sometimes. Your sense of humour lies below the gutter. I was, I was reading a little bit about the army because Maria is the spouse of a, an army fellow, mm-hmm. retired albeit, mm-hmm. and I said, saw the word bivouac. I fir- at first I thought it said beaverwax. <laughs> You know all about that, don't you? And I thought, that's a funny word for the army. <laughs> from, the, from the French word. To, ah. to go bush, I think. <laughs> <laughs> also known as walkabout in, in the Aboriginal culture. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> tell, Which is perfect because that's exactly what she's doing at the moment, right? She is. So, so tell... George, tell us all about Maria. Oh, look, you know, she was kind enough to actually tell us the year she was born. She was born in 1961. She obviously doesn't have an issue with age. Youngster. Uh, Yes, she was born in, in, uh, grew up in uh, Reservoir, uh, Melbourne. Do you know it? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah. What's there apart from a reservoir, reservoir. I'm guessing? (laughs) (laughs) So... So um, that's the uh, that's the French word for swamp, isn't it? Reservoir. <laughs> Reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in in two thousand eleven, Maria and Brad met, and oh no, they retired. Sorry, but they she she married Brad. He was the love of her life. Brad, Bradley, Bradley. So manly. Anyway, Brad was a soldier boy, and uh, she and he uh, liked a beaver wax. <laughs> Maria, oh, Maria. Oh, she's sorry, going to listen to this. And I'm sorry, Maria. This is uh, this is Brett at his best, <laughs> but uh, you know Maria enjoys doing a number of things. She was ostensibly um, the housewife of a defence force person, and she wrote a book. Uh, her first book it was titled Married Quarter, and in that she she just exposes the life of of um, partners to Defence Force personnel and the kind of things they go through. Um, she's had some challenges in life, which she's going to explain. But, um, you know, they were lucky enough to retire uh, in 1991 and go nomad travelling. They, they became very young grey nomads. Certainly are. But yeah. she's, she set herself a goal to, to um, challenge herself with one big thing per year. So, there's, so she sets an annual goal that challenges her boundaries. And, um, and she's been doing that effectively since, since giving up alcohol. And, and today she's going to be, she's in Roma, is that correct? Roma, yes. And she's sitting, she's, she sent us an email saying she'll be sitting under a tree mm-hmm. next to her four-wheel drive with a nice cup of coffee, hopefully Mungrel Joe's. Hopefully Mungrel Joe's. But who, and, who wouldn't love being in Roma under a tree on a lovely day like today? Be great, wouldn't it? I know. We're gonna we're gonna get her on, are we? I would say her cup's half full, George. 
Terrific. Let's, let's get her on. Let's get her on the phone. Let's get her on the blower, Georgie boy. Okay, let's do that. Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Hi Maria, how are you? Hi Brett and George, how are Hello, you? Hello Maria, we're well, thank you very much. Tell well, us, tell well, us a little well. bit about where you are at this moment. Um, so I'm currently in outback Queensland in a little town called Roma, which is, I think, about 500 kilometres west of Brisbane. And um, I'm sitting in a park under a tree in the front of our four-wheel drive with my headphones on, talking to you guys. Wow, that sounds lovely. And, and, what, and what better thing could you do on a, mor- on a Friday morning? Let's, <laughs> let's talk to us. That's, That's great. great. So where will, where will we start today, George? Well, I don't know. I mean, we, we look. I've I've been reliably informed that that uh, Maria Maria is a, has a uh, is a uh, chatterbox. That's I good. am. Yes, I, I am she a chatterbox. You could you could you could chew the the leg off a chair, right? So um, so let's uh, let's get started with um, your book. Let's start with your book, and we'll work backwards. Okay. Yep. Now. What led you to write a book about the, the trials and tribulations of the wife of a soldier? Okay, so my book is called Mary Corder, mm-hmm. um, and um, I was married to a serving soldier, um, Brad, uh, have been for the last 27 years. Um, I wanted to give a voice to the spouses of, um, of serving soldiers, um, so spouses come in all forms. They're not just women, they're not just wives. Spouses are, are also men. Um, so I wanted to give a voice to us, uh, the spouses, um, and, and, and let people know what it's like to be the one to keep the home fires burning while your partner's deployed and what it's like to move every few years and, and all everything that goes along with um, life in the military, um, sitting by the phone waiting for a phone call or, or um, waiting for a letter to arrive or um, trying to find a new job and for people who have children finding new schools. Um, Brad and I, my husband Brad and I don't have children, but we understand how difficult it is for um, families um, getting kids into school, getting kids, you know, new acquaintances, friendships and all There's a lot that goes along with um, life of a military family and I just felt as though... People didn't really know about what we did in behind the scenes, if you like, if that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So tell us, you met Brad. Tell us about where you met Brad and how your relationship progressed as you went along since he's, he was always away. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, Brad, uh, Brad was um, posted to Puckapunyal in um, Victoria when I met him. Um, and I, uh, I was living in Melbourne, but we actually met in Wollongong, just south of Sydney. 
Yep. Um, Wollongong's Brad's hometown, and I have um, uh, friends there. So every year I'd go to Wollongong to see uh, visit my friends, and they used to tell me about this uh, this soldier boy who um, who was posted to Pakapunyal, and we should go and meet up with him. Anyway, long story short, we uh, Brad and I met in Wollongong at the Dapdo Leagues Club, of all places. Dapdo Leagues. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a salubrious location that was. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> you would you would have seen a lot of great Aussie bands um, at the Dapdo Leagues. Yeah, yeah, sure did. Um, so that was um, Christmas '89. Uh, um, we started dating um, around about oh, uh, February February 1990. Uh, got engaged a month later and got married about four months after that. You you weren't mucking about, were you? No, no. <laughs> why? Uh, why so quick, Maria? Was he ready to, you know, leave town? He was actually. No, so you had to you had to trap him before he left. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brad, tell, Brad tells people that he never actually proposed. He, what he said to me was, "We were at uh, a Mitchelton Winery, which is a beautiful winery in Victoria, and um, he we were sitting there out on the out on the out on the grass area having lunch and." He got really serious and um, he looked at me and he turned to me and he said, oh, Maria, will you? And I went, yes, let's, let's go to Melbourne. <laughs> uh, he maintains to this day that he actually was going to say, Maria, will you buy me another beer? <laughs> or, or will you pass the cheese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we knew that he was being posted to Townsville at the end of 1990, so that was kind of looming large in in the scheme of things, and we just um, had some fairly serious talks. We knew that he was leaving town, and um, anyway, um, we uh, got engaged, got married, and then moved to Townsville a couple of months later. You strike me as a very positive person. Were you always that way, or you think you've matured into this realm of positivity, given, given your experiences? I'm not sure I'd use the word mature. I haven't really matured yet. I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> Well, aren't you? Aren't you apparently a grey nomad at the moment? Uh, yes, we oh, are. I would have to yeah. say there's a fair degree of maturity there. Yeah, um, <coughs> I've always tried to. I, I suppose um, I've always been a kind of a glass half full kind of person, I, and and a lot of that um, has been um, from Brad. Brad's a very very positive person as well. So, you know, um, whenever there was a situation which um, kind of you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't that positive. We always try to find the positives in it, and we still do. That's just how we are, um, and it's a nice way to live. <laughs> Maria, did, were you, when he was deployed, you know, and I'm assuming he did quite a bit of that, we, did, did, you, did it worry you that he was out there doing what, you know, people in the armed forces do? You know, were yeah. you, were you yeah, fearful? Yeah, there is. Of, you know, um, the, Brad was uh, Brad uh, was deployed twice. Um, the first time was um, only about eighteen months after we were married, and he he was deployed for a whole year. Um, and he went to Cambodia with the peacekeeping mission in nineteen ninety two. And then he was deployed again um, to East Timor at the end of nineteen uh, at the end of ninety nine. Um, so there is, um, and certainly back then um, with the first deployment, there was no um, internet and there was no Skype and there was no mobile phone. So 
you relied on um, the postal service, so letters um, could take anything up to, to six weeks. Um, so when he, when they were first deployed there, um, your first lot of letters, the first mail didn't come for probably about I don't know almost two months. So there is that element of of, of concern and worry, and you wait for the phone to ring and. I actually had a, a moment, um, Brad had been gone for about six weeks and an army jeep turned up at the front of my house mm. and two soldiers in polys, in their polyester uniform, uh, got out of the jeep with a letter in their hand and I went, oh, this is it, he's dead, because I hadn't heard from him by that stage, I still hadn't heard from him and I was convinced that he had been killed in action or something had happened. By the time they got to my front door, I was I was just a wreck. Um, anyway, it was an invitation from the padre to a morning tea at the base. <laughs> I shouldn't mm. laugh, but yeah, that's like go. that's like the classic scene from an American war movie. You know, it's mm. uh, it's in, incredible. Um, you know, to to be sitting there on the edge of your chair waiting for the inevitable. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure I'm sure you. You were with some partners who did experience that. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so uh, when Brad was deployed to Cambodia, um, one of the first things I wanted to do was uh, try to set up a support network. And for me, support networks are the most important things. Um, so um, I, I found an advertisement in um, our local little local newspaper and a woman had put an ad in and she said... Um, my partner's just been deployed to Cambodia. Um, I don't know anybody in Townsville. If any like-minded spouses would like to um, uh, get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, um, I rang her straight away and so did a group of other women. Um, and we became um, we became our, our support network for each other for that whole 12 months. All of our partners were in Cambodia serving at the same time, so for that uh, 12 months we um, were there for each other. We understood what each other was going through. Um, we knew what it was like um, not to hear from your partner for a long time. We gave each other our space. Whenever there was uh, some news from Cambodia, we'd share the, share the news. And 25 years on, we, are still, we still support each other. Um, and the group of women that I became friends with during that time, every two years... We have a reunion somewhere in Australia, so whoever's living at the, at the best place at that particular time, um, we we meet up. So every two years we have a reunion, and we have done since 1993, since the boys came home. Well, uh, you know, Maria, the the social life within the army, um, it it, it um, it's quite quite good and it's quite strong right so and and i know that uh speaking from experience alcohol a lot of alcohol features because it's yep. one it's cheap and and two it's uh it's a it's a relief for a lot of people and, and it's a great way to occupy time and socialize um you know did you ever see that as a bit of a problem for people within the uh defense force um it, yes everybody most people drink um, but I, I never saw it as as a as a, a problem. Um, people, you know, you go to a barbecue and everybody have a drink. But I never saw people um, getting untidy. I never saw anybody, you know, signs of any any problems with it. Um, it's probably 
as as the years went on, people people like like these days, I I don't think people drink in the military as as much as what they used to. Um, no, we're all but, squeaky now, aren't we? Yeah. So as time went on, um, it kind of tapered off less and less. But but in answer to your question, I've 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 never seen um, I've never seen problems with it. I, I yes, there is a. Uh, uh, has been a drinking culture, but isn't there in every industry? I mean, goodness me, um, how many times do you see businessmen, you know, on on a business trip, and and it, <laughs> they're all they're all uh, three sheets to the wind, you know? So I think it's I think it's just it's just part of being Australian. I don't know. So, so Maria, you you've you've did you start um, Hello Sunday Morning? Which... I did. Oh no, I didn't start it. No, no. Um, Tell us a bit the, about the that. The founder of Hello Sunday Morning um, is a, a, a young guy called um, Chris Rain, and um, Chris started Hello Sunday Morning many, many years ago as a as a um, a blog, and um, <coughs> he called it Hello Sunday Morning because what he wanted to do was he was only young when he started it. I believe he was only about twenty three. Uh, wanted to change his relationship with alcohol and. Um, he decided one morning enough is enough and he decided to call his blog Hello Sunday Morning because his first Sunday morning um, without without a hangover was, oh, my goodness, this is this is what a Sunday morning looks like. Hello. <laughs> um, and from that, it's just grown. And now I, I believe it has uh, up, up, up near 100,000 members. Wow. And, and so what... what... What sort of thing do you do as a member? So, you being a member? Uh, yeah, so I, just as a bit of background, I decided to take a, a year off the booze in 2013. It was going to be uh, MYOB, my year off the booze. And um, <laughs> because I had um, developed a, uh, a dependency on alcohol, and um, I knew that I needed to change my relationship with alcohol. So, I decided to take uh, a year off, and two weeks into it, um, uh, I read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and it was about the Hello Sunday move, uh, Hello Sunday Morning movement. And I thought, gee, I, I reckon this might be for me. So I logged on and um, and joined straight away. So you you sign up for a three month HSM, so a, a three month break from alcohol or a twelve month break from alcohol. So I sign up for a 12-month uh, break immediately. Um, and you basically just blog about how you're feeling and you support other people on the site. You find like-minded individuals and you can be anonymous um, so you don't need to reveal who you are or where you're from or anything like that. Um, me being me, I've never done a blog before in my life. I didn't know what a blog was and I signed on as Maria with my photo. So, you know, I'm not very anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's that's great. Look, uh, uh, you know, you said you said that you were um, you developed a dependency on alcohol. Can you walk me walk us through how that panned out? Did you did that actually creep up on you without realizing it, or or did you you know you had some you know many many moments where you thought, geez, I really am dependent on this stuff and I need it. Um, can you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. Um... It was it, it it was something that was um, gradual over time, um, and um, if when you read my book, you'll realise, gee, there's a fair bit of drinking that co that went on in Maria's life in, in in my book, as a lot of the stories are related to alcohol. I never did anything uh, 
silly or untidy or anything like that, but it got to the point where um, I was drinking more and more often and Brad and I retired in 2011 and, um, and every day was a Saturday. And um, right. Right. so I was drinking every day and I thought, well, this is, this is not what drinking is about. It should be, um, it should be something that you enjoy over a glass, uh, sorry, enjoy over a meal or enjoy with friends. But I was, I, 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 it'd become a habit um, and a very, very addictive habit. And um, I said to myself, right, I, I need a break from alcohol. So um, at the end of 2012, I decided that New Year's Eve that year was going to be my last drink for a year. Um, so December, 31st of December 2012, I had my last drink, um, saw the year out, and I've never gone back to it. I've been um, almost five years sober now. Did you did you find that surprisingly easy, or um, or was it extremely difficult? Um, it, it is difficult. Um, it's it's uh, for me. What was really important was to devise a um, a coping strategy um, for what we call the wee wees when the wee wees hit, huh. and the wee wees are the will I won't I will I won't I have a drink. Um, so you needed a coping strategy for when the for when the wee wees hit. You also needed to I uh, needed to um, establish uh, what my drinking triggers were. Um, and so I, felt, I, I realised that my drinking, one of my biggest drinking triggers was um, cooking dinner. I loved to have a glass of wine while I was cooking dinner because it's, it's an event, you know, you make it mm. an event, particularly if you're doing a nice pasta and sauce, and it just goes with it, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it does. But the problem was that I couldn't just have one glass of wine while I was um, cooking dinner and one and one glass of wine with dinner. It had to be one bottle or two bottles, and mm. and and I thought this is this is not what drinking's about. I need to I need to address this, and I need to do something about it. And now a word from our sponsors. This is about the four hundredth take, listeners. <laughs> this is our uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joe's. Yes, Mungrel Joe's. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten, and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. It brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mongrel <laughs> That's Joe's. my line. No, That's no, your no, line. No. <laughs> mongrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever. It's 100% Australian. And not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the pun. No, no, no. You didn't have to say that. Well, it's you printed it on the page. You're George. on. You're on fire, Brent. I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code. Float your boat and you'll get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat, one word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungrel Joe's. I'm telling you folks, 
aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mongrel Joe's, it's, it's the best. I noticed in your uh, bio for the book, um, you've had a lot of jobs over the years because I guess you've moved towns a lot. Um, Tell us a bit about some of the types of jobs you've had over the years. And the ones you loved. Yeah, the ones you loved, probably. Um, Well, I've worked for, um, yeah, you're you're quite right, I've had a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of job interviews, more Hmm. job interviews than I I could count. I've worked for all levels of government, so I've worked for for uh, local government, um, state government, and federal government. Um, I feel I've done sorry for you. Everything from um, I've done uh, volunteered in an op shop. I've delivered meals on wheels to people when I couldn't find work. I've worked on the cash registers at Target. I've worked in an Australian embassy overseas. Um, so I've, and I've, I've worked in an Aboriginal community in the Northern Territory. I've done I've done. Just about everything there <laughs> there is that can be done at my level. I've never been able to climb the corporate ladder because um, because of the nature of our of our life. Because we move so much, I've never actually you know never reached managerial position, uh, positions or anything like that. But I've always been happy where, where I am, and I'm happy to spread out rather than than go up if, if that makes any sense. So I, I've done I've done a lot of jobs. Um, Gee, it'd be hard to pick which one. I suppose the one that gave me the most satisfaction, um, I, I love volunteering. So working in an op shop was, for me, I, I loved that. I absolutely loved it. Um, paid jobs, I loved working in the Australian Embassy overseas when Brad, Brad and I were posted overseas. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. But I don't think I've had a job that I haven't enjoyed. I've always tried to get something really good out of each job that I've done and learnt something from it. As you said earlier, you uh, that you're the you're a cup half full type person. What do you think your secret to that happiness is? Uh, gee, um, gee, um, well, I'm in a very very um, lovely, happy, stable relationship, which I suppose helps a lot. Um, Brad and is a, a my, my just he's my wingman. <laughs> mm. um, we we have a really fabulous um, relationship, but I've also always been a, a happy person, and I just happen to meet another, uh, marry a happy person, a, a happy positive person. Um, I, I don't know. I, maybe maybe that was it's just the way I I was raised. I don't know. I've, I've, I've always been this way. I can't really answer that question. It's oh. a difficult one. Mm. Could it could it have something to do with the fact that you don't have any kids? I mean, I have three. <laughs> and, uh, and I know you, you're lucky enough to be able to hand the, the kids back. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny when um, when Brad and I uh, often, you know, our friends will say to us, you know, they'll be complaining about something their children have done or something like that or something horrendous to do with kids. And we love kids, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you often hear stories about the things that the kids have done and Brad and I will just look at each other and one of us will say to the other, 
Damn, that's what we forgot to do. Have kids. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't go. You know, you don't. Do you want to? You don't want to go there. Madness lies there. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. But but you know, speaking. I mean, are you okay to speak about that? Uh, was it a choice that you two made, or um, or was it um, something else altogether? The fact that um, you know you never n- never had kids. No, it was a, a choice. Um, I've never, I've never had the maternal instinct. Um, so um, I, I remember from a very, very young age, um, not wanting to have children or knowing that I was, I wasn't going to have children. Um, I was quite lucky when I met Brad. I, I, I did wonder. I thought, oh, gee, you know, because talking, having kids is not something that you talk about on, you know, one of your first dates. No. It's not something that comes up. So no. I knew, you know, when we started to get serious, I, I knew how I felt about it, but I needed to find out how he felt about it. And um, and we were out for dinner one night and he said, and we were talking about children. And he said, oh, I've never wanted to have children. I mean, is this a match made in heaven or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, well at least, I could guarantee then that it wasn't a shotgun wedding. <laughs> no, I, I guess so it... people um people often ask us um particularly when we were first married we were, we got married when we were in our late twenties um oh when are you having children um you know not long now and how many are you going to have and um and of course our answer was always we're not going to have children and people sometimes would get quite rude about it um people have said you know what's the point in getting married if you're not going to have children. Children are the icing on the cake as far as marriage is concerned. So if people um, people did get quite nosy about it, I, I, my answer would always be, we've never been blessed. There you go. Yeah. So they never knew whether it was by choice or or, or not. So that, that just uh, stopped all the questions. So so you grew up in, in Reservoir in Melbourne. and. Yep. And with extended family, et cetera. So you have brothers and sisters yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the oldest of four, so I have two sisters and a brother. Um, but we were, my, my father is Greek and my mother is Australian, so we were surrounded by, by millions of cousins. Um, and George, I guess, I'm guessing you're Greek? I, I am indeed. Yeah, so everybody in the family has the same name. You only have two or three names. That's right. Easy to remember. Easy to remember, isn't it? <laughs> it is easy to remember. <laughs> How many Marias do you have as cousins? I've <laughs> uh, got a few. <laughs> there's a few Michaels as well. So, oh, yeah, wow. There's, there's quite a few of us. Wow, not very imaginative, are they? No. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a, a party at, at, for George's family and there's like 50 Georges at the party. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who I'm talking With to. With the occasional the Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet you've all got the same nickname as well. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's too tragic. Well, we, <laughs> my my nickname for George is Goat the Goat Lover, but but that's because of the Greekness in me. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marie, now you're free and easy on the road, the grey nomads. Yes, yeah, so, tell so, us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, Brad Brad um, retired from uh, military service in 2011. Um, Quite and, young, presumably. Uh, we decided that uh, we'd done a trip around Australia in our caravan in 2009. Um, Brad took some long service leave and we did seven months around Australia. 
Um, and we loved it so much that um, halfway through the trip, we looked at each other and said, let's do this full time. We met a lot of um, people out on the road full time. Um, so we, we uh, finished the trip, went back to work for two years. And in those two years, we sold up and gave away the whole lot. And um, and we've been on the road travelling around Australia ever since. So coming up to six years on the road full time now. So, um, I mean, walk us through the logistics of something like that. I mean, for example, how do you collect your bills? How do you, I mean, I guess there would be some complications being a, a, a perennial uh, gypsy, yeah? Yeah, um, not really. I mean, most things are electronic these days anyway, so um, I've set up, you know, direct debits for bills and um, all that sort of stuff, but... Um, if there's anything that we need um, posted to us, um, a friend in Victoria offered um, for us to use his address um, as, as his mailing address, him and his wife, um, bless them. They said, you know, just use our address. So, so um, for insurance and registration, we have our mail sent to their address in Victoria and then once a month um, I will send them a message and say, OK, we're heading to Charleville, for example, um, can you, uh, if there's any mail, put it in a bag, send it to the Charleston Post Office and I'll, I'll go in and, and pick it up. So I just buy them um, prepaid post bags and um, so they just, it's no cost to them. They just bag it all up, address it to where I've have, have, wherever the address is I've, I've found and they'll just forward it on. And I just um, track it on the Australia Post um, site where you can track your um, tracking number. And um, so I know where it is at any given time and I know when it's arrived and I can go in and pick it up. So, so with your book, um, how do you stay in contact with your publisher? Uh, uh, your publisher, how do you promote your book? You know, um, while you're I have on the road? a um, Facebook page called Married Quarter, okay. um, and um, so I promote the book um, through that, which has been the, the response to that's been um, tremendous. So, uh, I've never had a public page before, and um, so I've got a few friends who who have sort of guided me who have had public pages in um, what sort of things I should post and, and um, photos I should put up on it. So that's that's doing really well. So um, with the publisher, I, I'm in contact with uh, Big Sky Publishing. I'll give them a plug. Yep. Um, in, in touch with them all the time via email or, or, or phone contact. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, 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 I've got um, a couple of uh, decals on the side of our four-wheel drive, so advertising the book on the side of our truck as well. <laughs> You like the um, Le- you like the Leyland brothers of the um, armed forces. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, um, the publisher does all the, um, the they help set up uh, they help with the the media side of things. So they will um, uh, help set up media interviews, or um, uh, they've just uh, uh, Sharon from Big Sky has uh, just sent me an email in the past couple of weeks and asked me if I'm if I've um, uh, put myself on Goodreads, the website Goodreads, I've never heard of it, so I've gone on there and now I'm a recognised author on, on Goodreads. Um, so they've, they've been, they've been a, a fantastic guiding light for me. Um, but I do, um, I do author's talks as well, so I do a little bit of public speaking. I, I, only, I did an author's talk last week um, for an organisation called Mates for Mates. I don't know if you've heard yes, of it. Yes, I do know Mates for yeah, Mates. Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I um, I was invited to do an author's talk at Mates for Mates in Brisbane uh, last Monday night, which was which was just fantastic. So um, 
and and all the uh, all the talks I've done, I've probably done six so far, including the book launch, which was in Townsville in um, uh, March this year, I think. Oh, no, no, sorry, May May this year. Um, all the authors' talks I've done have been through um, through word of mouth and through invitation. People have just asked me to come and talk to their particular group, and and you know I've done um, the RSL in. Um, in Southport, in um, the Gold Coast. I did an author's talk in Bali. We've just been, Brad and I have just been to Bali uh, for six weeks to house-sit a friend's villa. Well, wow. <laughs> lucky you. Yeah, so we did a, I did an author's talk over there. So, you know, it's been it's been great. And, and, and where to next? Where's your next author's talks? Just to let our listeners know where you'll be next. Um, so we're heading to, um, we're going to be in Victoria um, in October, I've promised the family that we'll be home for Christmas. Um, and I have a friend who owns a restaurant in, in Melbourne um, called Cooper's in Bandura, and I'm going to do an author's talk at their restaurant on the 22nd of October, I think. What's your What's the next book for you? Uh, well, the, the last book finishes with us retiring to the road in 2011. So if I do do another book, it'll be about life on the road and what it's like to live on the road full time. I, I just wanted to know, uh, Maria, does it make you feel warm and fuzzy that you've that you've accomplished the publishing of a book? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm so proud of it. I really am. Um, the, the, the biggest moment for me was and it still is, I still get a kick out of this, is to walk into a bookshop and see my book on the shelf. I, I, I tell everybody in the shop. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I've got to say, uh, even, I mean, even vicariously, I was excited because, uh, you know, uh, I was in between uh, flights at, at, at an airport and I took a photo of your book and I sent it to Brett and I said, Brett, we need to interview this woman. And, you know... Leanne doesn't come to visit me that often, and it was, um, you know, I think the last time I saw her was about six or eight years ago, and she just happened to turn up the very next week and say, and I was telling her about you, and she said, oh, sh what? She happens to be my friend. <laughs> so how's that? Fewer than oh, six degrees of separation. World. What a small world. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? I was so excited. I was so excited that, you know, I was, I was going to, um, you know, speak to the author of that book. <laughs> Oh, thank you. George is easily excited, but Maria. I, I am. I am, Maria. It doesn't take much. <laughs> I'm only joking. So, Maria, um, I guess uh, you, you've got a few books in you, possibly. Um, oh, I don't know about a few. I, 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 I always say to people I don't have much of an imagination. Like, I couldn't write a book... I couldn't write a novel. I could I, I could not make up a story for the life of me. I have to write about what I know. Um, and so I, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, write a series of Harry Potter books as, as much as I'd love to. Mm. Um, I just don't have that in me. But what I can write about is, is what I know. Because I love to write anyway. I'm always writing something. Um, I do monthly newsletters for family and friends um, about our life on the road. So... Um, so perhaps the next one will be about life on the road and, and, and you know, what it's like to to leave the green machine, the military, if you like, and what it is like to make that break. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether a few books. That might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> so so uh, you and Brad, you're travelling a lot around Australia. Is there 
is there places and adventures you still want to see in Australia, or are you going to are you going to pack up and drive overseas? Uh, no, there's still lots of Australia that we st- we want to see. Um, we've only just finished our first lap of the map, and that took us five years. Wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, you drive bloody slow. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, we, we do drive very slow. Some days, some days our move will only be you know ten kilometres up the road. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Um, and if we find a nice place that we um, that we like, we might park up there for weeks on end. You know, we might be on a on a peninsula overlooking the ocean, and we go, "Yep, yeah, this will do for us for a couple of weeks." So um, we have no plans to stop. Um, we and there's still lots of Australia that we we haven't seen. Um, we spent uh, the last two years in Western Australia and still didn't see everything we wanted to see in that state. Um, so we'll go back and do do parts of it. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we'll just keep going. I, we said that we'd do it from the age of 50. We, we retired at the age of 50, so from the age of 50 to 60. And then when we're 60, we get our, our superannuation and all that and uh, we'll reassess it at that, um, at that stage. But to be honest, I, I can't imagine us doing anything else. So have you got a favourite location so far in your travels? Um. Every state has um, something unique to offer um, and every state has some amazing places. If we had to stop travelling um, right at this point in time for, for whatever reason and we had to choose somewhere to live, my choice would be Tasmania. Right. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we spent seven months in Tasmania and um, and we took the caravan over and just travelled the whole state. Well, um, we still, even in seven months, we still didn't see everything we wanted to see, and we 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 just loved it. We spent two weeks just on Bruny Island. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, my wife and I um, went there several several years in a row with the kids, and and we we loved it too. Uh, but yeah. did you did you happen to spend a winter there? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty uh, cold. And that was that was manageable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is it is cold, um, but yeah, it's manageable. I grew up in Melbourne, so I'm used to the cold cold weather. But um, I I just I just love Tasmania. I love everything about it. We've got lots of great friends down there, um, and um, it's a beautiful state. So, so I, I know I know this is going to be a, a strange question, given that you've expressed your love for so many things. But what is it that you love the most what lights you up what floats my boat yes what floats your boat um i suppose i i'm inspired by strong women um strong women really inspire me um i'm i my friends and family um float my boat i just love being surrounded by friends and family um I love doing things outside of my comfort zone, so I like to challenge myself. Um, and particularly since I, I quit the booze, um, I've, I've kind of reinvented myself a little bit, if you like, and, and, and done things outside my comfort zone. And I, and I really enjoy that. I really love doing things, particularly at my age, like I'm 56. I like to, I like to try new things and go, and I have this, um, this, this theory that, you know, if you give something a try and it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. You know, they can't take away your birthday. 
Um, you know, you've given it a go. It didn't work out, or it did work out. Whatever. At least, you've, at least you've tried. I don't want to get to an age where I'm sitting there reflecting on my life and saying, "I wish I had done this, and I wish I had tried that, and I should have done this, and I should have done that." No, I want to do it all, and I wanted to do it all. I want to do it now. So, what are the what are some of the things you haven't done that you still want to do? Some of the things I haven't done. Well, we want to. Um, so, Brad and I want to travel a little bit more overseas. Um, we'd actually like to um, buy a camper and um, travel overseas. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've sort of got in the back of our our mind. Um, I. What else would I like to do? Some of the things I have done. Um, I've. Um, taught myself to read the tarot cards, so I do tarot card readings in campgrounds now. I'm tarot card reader at markets <laughs> and things like that. Can you read um, our cards? Pardon? Have you got your cards with you? Yeah, can you read no, our cards? No, they're in the caravan. <laughs> ah, bugger. I would have... Um, I, um, I've always wanted to try stand-up comedy, so I did a stand-up comedy routine in a pub in Perth. About Get out of here. Ago. How did that go? I loved it. Really? Wow. You did... So you like you weren't nervous? Oh, I was, I was a nervous wreck, but I still loved it. Fantastic! It was, it was exhilarating, and I take my hat off to people that do it for a living or people that can stand up there for an hour, um, because it is it is a tough thing to do. But I tell you what, it's one of the most exciting, exhilarating things I've ever done. And I loved it, Maria. <laughs> I know this is putting you on the spot, but before we go, couple yeah. couple couple of quick. Um, items. How do people contact you? So they want to con- find your book, etc. Yeah, um, so they can. The book is available um, to download on Amazon, so you can download it to your Kindle. It's available online through the publisher called Big Sky Big Sky Publishing. Yep. Um, it's. I know it's available in Dimmick's bookstores on the shelf. Great. Um, it's also available online through Booktopia and Ag- Angus and Robertson. Um, and they can also find me through um, my Facebook page um, called Married Quarter. And my name is Maria Augustus Dunn. Okay, now... Maria, two fathers. Now, Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, I don't know if I asked you this in our email, but we usually finish the episode with a song... Have you got a favourite song? Uh, I, it's not a favourite song, but it's a song that um, it brings back um, great memories from a great time um, when Brad and I were living overseas, um, and it's Delilah by Tom Jones. <coughs> Maria, it's been wonderful talking with you. Maria, Thanks, I, guys. I, it's such a pleasure, and, and, I'm, and I'm so impressed by a woman that uh, was determined to, to uh, challenge her boundaries at least once a year, or so I was told. By Thank our you. mutual friend, and that's impressive. And congratulations! Thank you so much. And congratulations on your book, and say hi to Brad for us, and, yes. and take care on the road. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Maria. Take Maria. care. Bye, bye. Bye. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you too. Bye. Flickering shadows of love on her blind She was my woman As she deceived me I watched and went out of my mind 